I always wanted to know who the best player was on tour simply because I wanted to actually work as hard. And then I ran into a, a little guy by the name of George Knudsen out of Canada. And I watched him hit the golf ball. I watched him with the wide stance, taking the club back way inside, releasing the club. One of the greatest ball strikers I'd ever seen. Now Ballesteros. With a putt that could win him the 113th British Open. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the McKella Golf Podcast. My name is Lawrence Stonigan. And before I introduce you to my good pal and co-host, I have to do the usual. Uh, I know uh, there's a lot going on in the world right now uh, and I wish uh, our very best to everybody, uh, actually to everybody, not just those uh, directly impacted so far. I'm sure all of us will be in some way, shape or form before this this ends. Uh, McKella Magazine is a small business. Uh, we... We support uh, golf writers all around the world. We publish their work. We pay them handsomely. Um, and this is going to be, uh, again, I, I, know, I say this, I know everybody has a, a similar story, but uh, from our perspective, we, we we try to support great golf writing and great golf writers around the world. So uh, if you can see your way uh, to support McKellar, help support them, that would be great. If you go to McKellar Magazine, dot com uh, and visit our shop you can buy issues one two or three and you can also buy all sorts of t-shirts as i say um it would be great if you could find a way to support small businesses like mckellar and uh, other small businesses as well as uh the the many great golf writers that we uh commission and pay for their work anyway enough of that uh john huggin how you doing huggy I'm very well, Lawrence. Uh, I believe you have a broken ankle. Do you want to explain well, very yeah. quickly? Yes, I'm very well apart from that. Yeah, I was uh, playing my version of football with my 10-year-old nephew the other day and uh, came a cropper, as they say. So I'm heading into the hospital tomorrow for an operation. So hopefully that will fix it. Uh, well, good luck on that, Huggy. Um, in issue three, you wrote, uh, well, you wrote a great piece about uh, Heatherwick, the the golf course that could have been Muirfield. But you also interviewed our guest today, who's a really appropriate uh, guest uh, for the current circumstances, uh, uh, Mr. Andrew Chubby Chandler. Uh, Chubby, is it Andrew or Chubby? Chubby. Chubby. Why am I perfect guest for the circumstances? Well, you know, we need a... We're all feeling pretty down, Chubby. The world is in turmoil and we need a calming, soothing voice to come on. And mm. yeah. No, seriously, though, though Chubby, I, I mean, you've been a man and boy, a golfer, agent, figure in the centre of it all. I, I don't think there's anybody... Well, there might be one or two. I mean, Guy Kinnings or whoever or, you know... Somebody else, you know, knows the world of golf uh, as well as you do. Uh, you can see it from all kind of perspectives. So from that, uh, from that angle, you are the perfect guest. Agreed? Mm, yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. A, go on. That was. Uh, <laughs> I get it. Uh, 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 also, and hugging as many podcast incarnations, you've always come on once a year. So. Uh, uh, yeah. good, good to have you on, pal. Um, I've, I've missed you both. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I, again, a kind of obvious question to start. Uh, you know, uh, you've you've got a stable of players. Uh, what are you doing right now? What is Chubby Chandler doing right now? 
Um, it's a good question, that, because I've always wanted, secretly, for about 10 years, to take a sabbatical. And <laughs> this is it, except I can't go where I want to go to because I'd actually be on a, on a beach, on a sunbed or wherever. But this is as close to a sabbatical as I think I'll ever get. And to be fair, we've got, I don't know, 20 golfers and none of them have a clue what to do. Is that right? What, what, what are they all doing? I mean, I know you're at home. Uh, what, what, what are all well, your golfers doing? I mean, the, the, guys with, the guys starting out, I've had three of them this week asking me if they should get a job, um, which is actually a pretty smart thing to, to ask and do. Because I can't see much happening for the next 10 or 12 weeks. And, you know, they, they don't have millions in the bank. They don't have thousands in the bank. So, you know, if they, if they can find somebody that can give them a little job that they can make 200 quid a week, then, yeah, go and do it. And that's what I've told them to do. Um, some of the sort of older ones that have got a bit of cash, one that I won't say who it is, but one that's always been against doing golf days, texted me last week and said, have you got any golf days I can do? So, you know, the, the middle guys are looking at how to sort of maybe get a bit few quid or certainly save a few quid, and the top guys are just having holiday. Really? Um, you kind of feel, I mean, I don't know what it's like where, where they all are. I mean, are they able to practice or, or play? Uh, I mean, some places... Yeah, some of them... Some of them, uh, I've just spoken to Matt Wallace this morning. He's in West Palm Beach and he's staying there. Um, he said, you know, I've, I've only got my mum and dad to come home for. They're all right. So, you know, I'm going to stay here, enjoy the weather and uh, enjoy the practice facilities. And he's, you know, he's building up a few friends. So, you know, he, he'll cope all right. Matthew Schwab's stuck in Austria uh, by the looks of it, working out every day and, and just sort of doing what he can. And then the young guys are, are actually at a loss to do anything because, you know, when they have a week off, they're playing golf after two days. So, you know, the young kids, they, they, they just have no idea what to do. They're just coping as best they can. Um, the, the problem is, Chubby, that there's nothing else to do, is there? I mean, everything's... No, but, goes but in but Huggy, Huggy, at the end of the day, if, if you're a young kid and you have to spend every day practicing and playing golf, it's not the worst life. No, 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 but there, there's lack of alternatives, isn't there? That's the problem. Yeah, there is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there is for the rest of all the world. I mean, everybody's in the same boat. I, I'm finding it quite interesting at the moment because every business owner you speak to has got the same problems. And you actually have a, you actually have a quite an interesting discussion with everybody of how they're tackling the situation. Um, and, you know, medium-sized businesses, smaller businesses, big businesses, they've all got the same issue is that they've got no money coming in and they've got a load of costs going out. And yeah. like I say, it almost brings people closer together the fact that you're talking to them sincerely about problem that we all have. Yeah. You've been involved in the, the running and promotion of tournaments for a long time now. I mean, how, how big of a disaster is this for, a, for an event just to not happen like this? Um, Financially, in particular. Yeah, it's it's obviously a big event. If you've if you've done a lot of work on the event already, then then it's a disaster. I mean, for us, Turkey, we haven't done anything yet, so it's it's not really making any difference. Mm. Uh, I think that 
there's certain companies that are affected badly. You, you imagine Arena, you know, Arena, the big company that puts up all the yeah. um, infrastructure, the tunnels. Imagine yeah. how their business is impacted because mm. there is no business. Nobody's doing anything. So they, they've actually got three months with actually nothing going on. The, um, so different yeah. businesses will get hit different ways. Yeah, the implications are endless, really, aren't they? I mean, just... It's hard to get your head around it all. Endless. You can't. You can't get your head around it. And yeah. you know, the, the the more you read about it, the more you're almost panicked. And then you think, oh no, really, this might be really as bad as everybody says. So there's, you know, there's so many different views on it, and you can either try and carry on a little bit as normal, which is probably what I'm doing, or you can lock yourself away. I've I've not gone and amassed a load of toilet rolls because I can't see myself going to the toilet any more in the future than I, than I do now. So, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, I just everybody's different, aren't they? And everybody has to go with their gut feel and do whatever they have to do. Yeah, what, yeah. what does it what's, mean? What's uh, your view on? Oh, sorry, not Lawrence. No, um, you, what's you your view, Toby, on on um, how golf has handled this? You know, the PGA Tour in particular came in for a bit of flack over the way they started the players and then stopped and you know all the rest of it i mean what's what's been your view on that i think the players they uh, they tried very hard at the beginning of the week to to get through the week um and they started off and i think then things things were changing every 24 hours john mm. you know yeah in britain the same i mean you know i've, I've got a feeling they're going to shut all the pubs and restaurants tomorrow mm -hmm. um, a little bird tell me, and uh, <laughs> and, I, and I think you know. So the the changing landscape forced the PJ Tour to fall in line with the NBA and everybody else, and it was the only thing they could do. And then they paid they paid everybody fifty two grand, which was interesting. Yeah, uh, for their one round of golf. Um, yeah, and people. People did what they want with it. Well, I think Billy Horschel, he, he gave, I, I don't know, well, I'm sure a, a lot of these guys gave it away, but Billy Horschel made a bit of a song and dance. I mean, rightly so. He, he gave his away. Here, Chubby, let me go yeah. back to Matt, the. Uh... Matt, Matt, Wallace, Matt Wallace gave half of his away, which I thought was <laughs> a pretty good gesture when he was giving it away to charities in America. Um, and it was he wasn't bringing notice to himself. The charity brought notice to the fact he'd done it. I saw that. Which I thought was very. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Here, uh, Chubby, we'll jump back here. Um, let's imagine all this hasn't happened. What, what, what was this kind of state of the game? How did you, prior to all this, how did you view the landscape? Healthy, unhealthy, uh, confused? You had the Premier League golf. Uh, Interesting. Uh, uh, I mean, I just, uh, what did you think? I mean, how how say let's let's scroll back six, ten weeks or whatever. Uh, how's how's golf doing? Yeah, really interesting. I mean, really interesting. Um, I went to Saudi. Um, I went to Saudi because I'd never been before, and I thought there's so much talk of what's going on there and what's going to happen in the future and the Premier Golf League and blah, 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 blah. So I went there. I had a really interesting week. Um, I met the, the powers that be, which was interesting. You know, sort of a, a guy there, His Excellency Yazir, um, who has the keys to the Sovereign Wealth Fund in Saudi. Uh, had a very interesting chat with him for about 45 minutes on Sunday night. And 
it, it, to see what they're trying to do there is amazing. You know, they're going to build 32 golf courses in five years, which by anybody's standards is amazing. Um, the golf course itself there that they played on was very, very good. Um, so then I've taken a, a big interest in what's been going on in this Premier Golf League. And although I haven't spoken to Mr. Garden himself, got enough information from various people and um, and obviously Yazir himself uh, about what was going on. And while they've got enough money with the 500 million from Saudi to make a, a big, big dent, I still don't think they've got as much money as the PJ Tour has. Um, and at the end of the day, I think everything will come back to one thing, and that's probably Tiger. Um, my guess is Tiger's probably not going to do anything because his PGA pension is probably as big as they were offering him to go with the, the golf yeah. tour. So my guess is it's, it's probably shaking things up a bit. I think it's probably shaking up um, the agents for the top players thinking on what the PGA tour should do for them. I think that It'll bring, I think it has brought the European Tour and the PGA Tour much closer together because they were, you know, they, they had to fight the battle together, not just uh, individually. And I think that in the end, it's probably going to fail because of Tiger sitting on the fence, waiting really for everybody to say no for him. And for Brooks Getker and um, Rory to come out and support the PGA Tour like they did. You know, I mean, it wasn't just a no to the to the golf league. It was actually, you know, it was actually a, a, a big thumbs up for the PGA Tour too. Why do you think they did that, Chubby? Any ideas? I mean, is there anything that, you know, a lay person looking at wouldn't really spot that you might? Well, I think the fact they're probably both making the 30, about 30 mil a year the way it stands. There's not much point in risking it for a three-year contract to make a bit more. That's what I'm, my guess is. Yeah, that that was my feeling, Chubby. Was that you know, for all the money that the Premier Golf League had, it, the difference between that and the what the, the status quo, as you just put it, wasn't that drastic that it would make me jump. I mean, it would have to have been double or triple or whatever if money was your yeah. your you know your driving yeah, well, force. I mean, the, and it wasn't the, that much. The top, the, the top protagonists. Um, that are likely to make a difference and say yes were Phil and Tiger. Yeah. And my guess is that Phil would definitely say yes at his stage in his career. Yeah. Tiger it would be a, a consideration. But both their pensions will be just crazy. Mm. Can, can well, I... if they lose their if they lose their pensions because they've joined the, the the other side, then the other side has to pay twice as much. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you, Chubby, uh, just as an, an offshoot to the conversation, the PGA Tour pensions, you say Tiger and Phil be crazy. What would your, again, you don't, I'm sure you don't know it to the exact dollar, but guys like that, what, what would their pension pot be? I would think they're 100 million. Each? I would, mm. I would think they're 100 million each, yeah. I would think, yeah. Uh, See, Phil might be bigger than Tiger because he's been going longer. Yeah. It's and based the funny on thing is, mate, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's yeah. what I was going to say. The funny thing is that Jim Furyk's pension will be as big as either of them, probably two. Yeah. 
the uh, what would say an average a middling guy maybe ten year career two wins on the PGA Tour. Uh, Chaz Reavy was something. No, was it Chaz Reavy? Or was or, uh, you know just a middling guy? What's his pension pot going to be on the PGA Tour? I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, a wild guess would be fifteen to twenty million. Right. Yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Here, uh, listen, scrolling back, Chubby, to uh, just to touch briefly on the Saudis, not to get into the the whys and wherefores of it, but I mean, how see what what is their motivation? Is it to build a, is it to build a, an alternative industry in the way that uh, Abu Dhabi and Dubai have, or is it to kind of the, you know the sports washing? Is it to cleanse the image? What's the? Is it? Um, I, I, w- I was really surprised because there was definitely. Um, a lot of what they were doing was for themselves. I was amazed. They, 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 they were saying that a lot of the golf courses would be for the Saudis and they were going to build academies so they, they can work and practice and get better. Now, I've seen um, and travelled a lot around the Middle East and to be kind to the Arab people, they wouldn't be the hardest workers at golf and whatever and it's not and it's not really their game so where they get the idea that they're going to create a golfing nation is is beyond me but they were definitely interviewing and getting ideas and trying to speak to people about academies for themselves uh, so uh, and, to, and do you get a sense of the the political side of it i mean there's there's definitely a political side to it isn't there I think there is a little bit, yeah. I think, you know, obviously having this ladies' tournament that actually should have been this week, I think. Um, yeah. All those sort of moves are obviously to try and integrate themselves into a, a Western world. Because at the end of the day, all the, all, the, all that they've been doing is practising what they do. You know, that, that's what Muslims do, strict Muslims, the ladies in the background and et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's very hard for them to to make a big move to try and become westernised, if you like. And I'm not sure there's a reason why they should. I think, you know, some of the human... uh can't remember what the word is. Human rights. Yeah, part of the... Obviously, the human rights stuff that goes on there is not great, but but actually the religion and the way they go about it, who are we to tell them they're wrong? Well, I, I, as I say, I don't really want to get into the uh, the whys and wherefores of it because we could be here all day. But uh, how much money do how much money are they going to put? In, are we would we, are we staggered? Is it a staggering amount? Is it into into golf? Into golf? Oh no, it's billions. Yeah, it's staggering. A hundred courses in ten years—that's a lot. Thirty-two in five and a hundred in ten. It's supposed to be. Yeah. Who's going to build them, Chubby? Oh, every, everybody was there. They had that golf summit there during the yeah. tournament, and it was, yeah. it was like a load of piranhas around a, a pool of fish. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Everybody was there. Yeah, your pal Gary Player was there, uh, every, Lawrence. Everybody. Oh. Greg Norman was there. Led was there. Led was there for the academies. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. yeah. The, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and just uh, Chubby, the general landscape you, you touched on. The, were you are you a big fan of the Premier Golf League? Are you? Are you... Uh, that's a good question. Am I a fan? I'm. I'm not a particular fan of it because I don't see it working. But I do see that 
it was an attempt to make golf a bit different and and to come up with the times because we, we seem to have been on this chat for about six or seven years and we always say something's got to change because we see, keep serving up 72 old tournaments up Thursday to Sunday. And, you know, everybody thinks it changes because we have a few ladies playing in it or we have this or we have that, but nothing really changes. And the one thing I think the, the Premier Golf League misjudged was I think they thought they were going to be like Kerry Packer. And Kerry Packer changed the face of cricket, but he changed the face of cricket for a bunch of people that weren't getting paid anything. Yeah, He's talking to a load of golfers that are actually all getting paid a lot. So the, if they take 48 golfers, the 48 golfer on that list is going to be on about 2 or $3 million a year on course, and then maybe between one and five off course. So you're not talking about guys that have got nothing. You're talking about guys that are getting paid quite well. Do you think so we'll see anything, Chubby, from the tours going forward that as a direct result of this Premier League yeah, thing? I think Raised for sure. I think for, for example, sure. I think, I, think, I think guys like, uh, let's say, Tiger, Ricky, uh, perhaps Books, the top guys in the States, certainly Rory, I think we'll get a guarantee at the start of next year for being the faces of the PGA Tour. And, you know, the the question that guys were asking was, why should Tiger play for the same prize fund as the guy 125th mm-hmm. in, on the PGA Tour? When Tiger brings so much to the PGA Tour and the guy 125th doesn't bring that much to the PGA Tour. And without Tiger, we know PJ Tour is nothing like the same vehicle. Yeah. And if you yeah. took Tiger and Ricky and Brooks and one or two and Rory out, then then you you know, and I'm not missing people out, obviously Dustin, and, but yeah. but you know, you took you took half a dozen guys out, and you have nothing to sell the tour on. Yeah, I mean, I've always argued that the kind of like Michael Jordan was back in the day with the NBA that that you can't actually pay Tiger enough. No, no, you can't. I'm I mean, sure it's a number. <laughs> the, the, the unbelievable thing is, I think he's 43, and every time you go back to anything, well, it depends what Tiger does. And it, yeah. that is unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, he still moves the needle mm-hmm. so much. And as and as he matures and as he uh, his abilities on the golf course wane a bit, he becomes this nicer person mm in inverted commas, because that's what he looks like these days. Yeah. So he actually now becomes more popular still. Yeah. So, I think the, uh, the, 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 the modern generation, people younger than us, are getting a, a better appreciation of just how good he was when you see how good the best players are now. And they're nothing right. like what Tiger was. Nothing like no, no. I mean, no. Not even Rory is. You know. No. Yeah, Chubby, you were saying that they'll get a guarantee of be, they'll be the face of the PGA Tour. Does that mean they'll get a, as you think there'd be money going? Would they get paid for that to be? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Really? I think, I think, I think there'll be a marketing fee. I think there'll be a marketing fee, and I, I don't, I don't see anything wrong in it. I, right. I think that, I think that, um, probably the European Tour should almost adopt the same situation. And what you do. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not for nothing because you, you, you sort of turn around and say, here's, here's so many millions of dollars or whatever it is, but I want you to play 20 tournaments and I want you to play this, 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 this year, that, 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 this year. 
I mean, to me, that's what Keith Pelley should have done four years ago with the Rolex series. Mm. They shouldn't have been playing for seven million. They should have been playing for five million. That should have been a ten million fund to guarantee certain players for certain tournaments. Yeah. Um, can you imagine? Yeah, how, how, would, how would you be feeling if you were Mr. Rolex right now, Chubby? I think it's been a decent success, John. I think mm. he's done all right. I, don't, I think. Um, I think with the oh, looking over the shoulder, you wouldn't be mourning and groaning about guys that weren't there. Sorry, so you wouldn't be mourning and groaning a bit at the some of the fields that have pitched up for your events. Uh, I think they are medium happy. I think they're medium yeah. happy. Yeah, I, I, think I don't they, think they'd be unhappy, but there'd be there'd be moans and groans. I think. Well, I, th- I think I think it's very difficult to create something new that there's not a few moans and groans. And yeah. while we're saying that they could have been better by doing this, this, and this, it certainly has been better than it was. It's a big improvement. I think Rolex have got their name out there a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you see the tournaments on TV, you see that they're better, the coverage is better, um, they're presented very well. And I don't know when he has to do a new contract with them, but but I would have thought they'd, they'd probably carry on and, and and it'll get even it'll get even better and stronger. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just referencing the Premier Golf League thing, you mentioned earlier that the European Tour and PG Tour have come closer together. Do you, do you know something that the rest of us don't? But we did. I mean, I don't know how much cooperation there was before and how much there, there has been afterwards. Uh, I think that um, I think it was common knowledge that they got fairly close about eighteen months ago, and then I think it that that then became a bit of a distance again between them for for whatever reasons the scheduling of this year around the Olympics and. Um, the scheduling of um, Memphis in the middle of our, yeah. if you like, our good run. So I think they, they 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 became further apart there. But I think this Premier Golf League brought them closer together because they knew that they had to be close together to make sure that this thing didn't happen. Um, where does that cooperation and uh, closeness, where does that end, Chubby, or, or how does it develop? Uh, I think in the end they're going to be there's going to be one, uh, not one tour, but they are going to work together. I would say in the next two or three years, I would say that some of our golf tournaments will be on the PJ tour. Oh, wow. I think some of their golf tournaments will have um, co-sanctioned sort of status. You know, you can just, you can just see it, it's a, it's a natural thing to do that to try and get the best players playing together more often when some of the best players are European and some of the and, and to spread the brands into Europe a bit more it, it makes sense for them to come together closer um, I, well, I don't know how big FedEx is in Europe uh, I mean that's it makes, maybe makes sense for FedEx to push into Europe and maybe push into a bit more in Asia I, again I don't know here um, the uh, I wanted to ask you Chubby pre all this mayhem uh, the health of the European Tour. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or, I mean, how, how how is the European Tour doing? I think it's doing okay. I think I think they have a problem now because the the um, diversity between the top events and the bottom events is too big. Yeah. 
you know, you're playing for seven million one week, and then suddenly you're playing for a million euro the week after. And I think there's there's probably a general feeling amongst most of the European tour that they don't want to end up going on a plane for 20 hours to play the Victoria Open for a million euro. You know, I don't, I don't think people particularly want to do that anymore. And 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 it goes back to to a situation that is something that they've created and wanted is that the fact that the the players are getting paid more now for their golf, not not for their contracts, but for their prize money. That they don't need to go. You know, that it's not it's not necessary to to fork out three three thousand dollars on an air flight to go and play in Australia with another $2,000 of expenses to go and play for a million million euro. It's not necessary. So they don't go and then the field's not very good and it, it doesn't work for anybody. Um, yeah, it, it does seem like there's about three tours going on at once on the European tour, doesn't it? I mean, there's the top guys, the middle guys and yeah. the new guy, if you like. Yeah, yeah, and I think that uh, the, the situations change pretty quickly, don't they? Because it's only maybe two or three years ago that they were trying to have lots of tournaments and put in, you know, three in Australia, three and four in South Africa and whatever. But yeah. I think now there's a move to try and possibly get more tournaments closer to home for better money and less of them. Because mm-hmm. if you've got so much, say you've got a pot of whatever millions of dollars from Rolex that you can use for not just the Rolex series, but to, to help your other tournaments. You don't want to spread it thinly. You actually t- want to try and have less tournaments for more money, almost, don't you? Yeah. Maybe a stronger challenge tour, or yeah, I mean, you know what a, I'm saying. Yeah, here's a kind of you know, often a tangent question, Chubby. That I mean, I go to the Australian Open every year. I've done for quite a few years now, and it's kind of cut loose that tournament. I mean, it's a great title, great historic, you know, great history to it, but it's it's really been cut loose by it's not on the European tour it's not on Asian tour it's on the Australasian tour and nothing else at the moment and it's owned by the rights are owned by Lagardere the management company now I've spoken to the European tour and they've said that they've tried to get the Australian Open on the European tour for obvious reasons but Lagardere won't go for it what would be Lagardere's motivation for not having their big event like that on their second biggest tour I, I've never been quite managed to get my head around that. No idea. Yeah, well, neither have I. No it's weird. I don't no get idea. it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would, I would imagine. I haven't ever looked and noticed, but I would imagine that the star players are all managed by Lagardere when they're there, so that yes, they're paying out fees to their own guys, and that's probably not as easy to do once it's European tour. But it's not that difficult. Crikey, every, no. a lot of golf tournaments pay appearance fees in Europe and in America. Yeah, here, yeah. Chubby. It's, it's odd. Go on. Here, uh, Chubby. I'm going to come on in a minute, uh, or a few minutes, to the you know what happens next, scheduling on. But I want to take a kind of detour, uh, just re- referencing your interview, or the the world according to PC did in magazine three. You, just a general landscape of uh, recruitment, development of golfers. I was very taken by uh, you. You. You talked about how much it had changed and how, I mean, it's how, it seems kind of strange. Just exactly how cutthroat is. I mean, agents and and that side, the business guys used to be pretty cutthroat, but it seems that the players are 
are more cutthroat these days as well. I mean, they are should I say more aware of their own worth? I mean, I, I, I mean, how how is how's that how's it changed that 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 kind of side of things? You're finding players, well, developing ne- players. Ne- nearly always, you've got a, a father involved, which is fine. I get that they're going to look after their son, but their son is definitely becoming the father's investment. Um, and I think that in some cases it's fine. I mean, I work, I work quite closely with Matthias Schwab's dad, uh, who worked with Adidas in sponsorship and has done a good job on getting two or three good deals for Matthias and then lets us do the, the on-tour stuff and, and, and bits and pieces that we get up. I, it depends. It depends who it is, but every golfer now, when I say every golfer, I'm, I'm, I'm generalising too much. A lot of young golfers don't know their worth, but think they know their worth. And there's a certain sense of entitlement. So they sit in front of you and say, well, I want seven invites. I want seven invites guaranteed and I want 50 grand a year guaranteed. And, and they forget that at the end of the day, it's down to them shooting 66 a few times. Mm. And, and it's... It, it's not always the best ones doing that either because the best ones have the confidence to know that they are going to shoot 66 and are going to make proper money. Um, you, there's no doubt you can spoil a, a young golfer early by, by giving them too much. There's a fine line between them having enough, having enough and then um, having too much. And if you can, if they can just have enough to get through and play and, and compete and, you know, interest to a school they need to and whatever. That that's enough, and then let them go out and play and earn it. Where does this kind of a sense of entitlement come from then? Well, that's a general thing for the age group. I think it's not just golfers; it's 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 young people. It's it's. I think it's social media. I think people see that you know such a body's driving a Mercedes or got an Aston Martin or whatever. That's what I want, and I'm going to get it by having 50,000 followers on, on social media and I'm going to be a social media star and that's what I wanted. And that's where, not that this has got anything to do with golf, I want to remind you, but yeah. this is where all this uh, cosmetic surgery comes from. That, that <laughs> girls, girls see girls on, t- on, on, on social media and want to be like that person there and now have the ability to do something about it. Let that, let that be a warning to you, Lawrence. You know, yeah, the, 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 I'll cancel my uh, plastic surgery. But I, yeah. I, I, what I'm trying to get to, because I'm very interested in this world of development. Uh, I mean, how is it a good thing? I mean, it's, it's good for somebody to, young to have confidence and belief. I mean, not to sit down with people like you or I, I, I and just take our word as gospel. I mean, isn't that a good thing in a way? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I've been around a long time, as yeah. you both know, and I have talked to probably five hundred, maybe even a thousand young golfers about to turn pro, just turn pro, whatever. And there's something about the ones that are going to make it that you actually can tell they're going to make it, and they don't they don't always go the same way. You know what I mean? They might not be the massive confidence. The, the quietly confident one is better than the noisy confident one. And and when you get a young lad that has an inherent confidence in them and have 
the confidence to turn around to me and say, why am I doing that, Chubby? And then you explain, okay, I get that. And those are the ones, those are the dangerous ones. They're the ones that, that are probably going to make it. The other ones that just take what I say as gospel are all right because most of what I say is usually right, but not always. Yeah. And they always don't want to know why they're doing that. So, you know, so the lads that will sort of question you a bit are the ones that are the, that are the interesting ones. Yeah, I, I don't want to go on a trip. I don't want to go on a trip down memory lane. I, I really don't. But I, I just want to talk about Rory. You know, you were in. Rory was one of those one thousand kids or five hundred kids. I mean, what what was he like? You know, you're sitting in the room. I'm, I'm sure he had. A yeah, but at, but at thirteen, you knew he was going to be a superstar. I mean, not not just not just from the way he played, which was amazing, but also from the way he carried himself, the questions he asked. The way he interacted with Darren, you know, I met him on Darren's foundation. That's how our relationship started, and and the way he talked with Darren, he was almost talking on a level. And Darren was whatever he was, and Rory was thirteen. Um, so he he was always different. Yeah, yeah he's a very quick wit, Rory. I mean, I, I've maybe told this story before, but a few years ago we were doing a swing sequence with him at, in America somewhere for. Golf Digest and Tom Callahan uh, was doing a piece on him and he was there. Uh, so they were chatting. Tom had lived in Belfast for a year, doing a working on a book on the Troubles and was chatting with Rory about uh, how he'd played at Hollywood back when Rory was just a just just a child. And Tom was jokingly saying to him, "Yeah, I would I would have kicked your ass back then." And Rory looked at him and said, "I don't know. I was pretty good when I was seven. <laughs> so he's very he's very quick." You know, yeah, yeah, I was very impressed that. I don't think I'm giving any secrets away that when I say that when he was at Carnoustie um, and he was going to be leading amateur, yeah, and that's I don't know when that was 2007, all right. And I remember sitting outside the clubhouse and we were just and we knew what date he was turning pro, that's how easy everything was. Mm. He was going to go to the tour school and he was going to turn pro on the Tuesday after the tour school at the British Masters that we ran at the Belfry. Dead easy. And he looked at me and he said, Chubby, um, I want to buy a house. <laughs> and he hadn't turned pro. Yeah. And he wanted to buy a house knowing that he was going to earn decent money as soon as he turned pro. Yeah. And, he wa- and he said, I think I should get on the ladder, don't you? And he was 17. Yeah. So he he was never normal, you know what I mean? He was never ever the same as everybody else. He was different. He, he had this inherent confidence in his ability, and and he had, in a way, a slightly older head on his shoulders. He, can, can I just put a, a pin on, on Rory right now? Just another quick development question. I remember that British Masters uh, job. Um, I think Rory and it was Oliver Fisher got. They were they were playing, weren't they? I think they yeah. were play- They both got invites as amateurs. I remember at the time yeah. Oliver Fisher was seen as the better, as a better bet. I think this might have been two thousand six actually, but Fisher at the time was an absolute superstar. I'm just curious as to. I mean, Fisher's had a great career, a good career. You, you, what happened? What happens? I think, I think they're different characters, and I think that Rory had um, a lot more self confidence. In the situation and in himself than than Ollie, Ollie had, um, 
and Ollie still is a very, very good player right yeah. now and still has um, an awful lot of potential right now. Yeah. You know, I think he's 30 or 31 and he's just got married, he's got a kid and I think probably you'll see him be quite a late developer. And I, would th- I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, when he's 35, he's actually a real top player because he's he's still got the talent. He just he just he's not he's worked things out slower than uh, Rory has, and so, some and people some people are like that, and they get they get things yeah. at, at different rates. Here, yeah. just going back yeah. to Rory, uh, um, how do you think he's doing? And he's I mean he is essentially a, I mean he's not quite the Tiger level of leadership, but in terms of leading that kind of community of uh, top class players, I mean how do you think he's doing? Uh, do you think he's doing well, or do you think he's pushing it a bit too far in terms of his? No, I think he's. I think I think he's maturing great now. I think you know he he had some rocky spells. I think I think he thinks a bit a little more about what he's going to say or what he's about to say. Um, I think he's still very honest. I think he he says a lot of things that make sense. I think what he did last week when when he spoke out what he was going to do with this Premier Golf League. He needed to say something because he want, probably wanted to get it off his chest. But that's probably prompted Brooks to say something. So I think he started the, the ball rolling. And 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 obviously, you know, his, his, his deal with golf now and things like that will, will have had a bearing on everything because that's PJ Tour driven, I think, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's driven by the coverage of it. So yeah, he's not stupid. He makes an awful lot of money. I like the way that... Um, his wife just stays where she is, and you know she's she's there when she should be, and she's not there when she shouldn't be. It, you know the, the whole the whole setup looks right to me, and I think he does a, a really good job, and I think he's very very professional. Yeah, he's got a great awareness of his place in things. I think. Yeah, and that's only going to increase as it goes on. I tell you what, I tell you what was really interesting. I mean, I've obviously known him a long time, and. You know, we never fell out. We we've always sort of been courteous and had a chat when we seen each other. And I honestly, I didn't realise. It made me think afterwards. After he'd won the FedEx last year, he went round Cron, and he might as well have been on one of those um, machines where you lifted off the ground and go around, because he was walking on air that week. And I thought, wow, the money does make a difference. Because it was, you know, it wasn't the biggest win he'd ever, ever had, but he looked as happy as I'd ever seen him. Huh. Wow. Yeah. There you go. But it was a lot of cash, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Even for him. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, here, Chubby, just going back to the current uh, situation, uh, all sorts of all sorts of things happening. Masters postponed. Uh, here's a thing that you might be able to explain. I, I was looking at the PGA Tour, the list of events. Uh, same in the European Tour. Uh, some events are cancelled, some events are postponed. Why would some be postponed and some be cancelled? I think there's some that definitely won't get played again. And then the rest have taken a chance and said they're going to postpone it. I think the PGA Tour has got a bigger problem than the European Tour. Because if the PGA Tour only starts at, say, the beginning of June, there's hardly any tournaments left before the playoffs. So, you know, what do you do about exemptions? What do you do about uh, everything? Whereas the European Tour, the, you know, if we started up at the, the beginning of June, you've still got, still got half the season to go there. So it's, it's right a bigger problem. Think about it. Right about qualifying, exactly. Yeah. The, lists, the lists don't reflect 
perhaps what they should because then they've got to have the tournaments in where everybody's yeah. played. But there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that they need to figure out. Uh, the, uh, there was a story this morning: Ryder Cup postponed till the follow uh, till next year. You heard anything on that, Chubby? I didn't hear that. No, I didn't. I yeah. didn't, didn't know that's going to happen. Um, and, and you know what? In a funny sort of way, that might make sense as well because we don't really know whether we're going to play at the beginning of June or the beginning of August, do we? And if it was mm-hmm. beginning of August, then then it'd be crazy. Um, and, and and do you want to sort of invest in the infrastructure for the Ryder Cup? when it might not happen yeah it's a lot of questions uh, it is yeah. a sort of like 15 dimensional chess um, majors all postponed again I, I, I'm sure there's no back channel of information going on Chubby but you know how do you how do you fix through it all I mean how, how do you there seems to be what gives for instance I'll give you an example 1942 uh, you know, after the states uh, came into the war, a bit late, but thanks anyway, boys. Uh, the uh, <laughs> they had the uh, instead of having four majors, they had the Hale Amer- was it the Hale American National Open as they had it in Chicago. Uh, ideas like that, uh, one major for the year. Uh, I, I don't know, Ryder so- Cup. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, Chub. How do you? So you're in charge, uh, Chubby. What are you doing? Uh, let's say golf starts. I think I, I think if there's one major, it'll be Augusta. For, yeah. for, for what? I, I think I think they play Augusta in October, and I think that the British Open's got a reasonable chance of happening, and the rest, not a lot of chance of happening. I think the Open the Open might be far enough back to be able to have qualifying for. And, and everything work out, and I think Augusta can do whatever they please. And I th- as far as I can see from European Tour and PJ Tour schedule, there's two or three dates in all October that will work for the uh, for the Masters. Isn't it ironic, Huggy, that the weakest field of the year in major championships is the only one that would that would probably get played? Yeah, well, there is that. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the Masters as a tournament. I'm not a huge fan of the you know what goes on behind the scenes at Augusta National. I mean, I've never really understood how. I mean, there was a story. Uh, our friend Damon Lynch. Did, do, you, do, you, do you get a pass? Do you get a pass, Huggy, for the match? I do. I'm always surprised that they let me back in, Chubby. But I yes. think you probably. I think you probably just lost it. <laughs> <laughs> no, they've heard, they've heard me say that before. But uh, I mean, as I say, Eamon Lynch was writing a story today about the, the what he called the five families of uh, of golf. That was interesting. Yeah, it was Augusta, the Royal and Ancient, the USGA, the PG of America, and the USGA. Uh, no sign of the European Tour. Now, I, I, it's almost perplexed me that um, that Augusta National is is part of that. I mean, yeah, yes, I, I mean, I I get the fact like everybody else that they run a fantastic tournament, but really, is that enough for them to be influencing things to the extent that they do? I mean, I, I mean, as I said on Twitter earlier today, I, I I've never cared what Augusta National thinks about anything. They run a well, great tour, and, and, you've and, just and that lost should be the pass. end of it. You've, yeah. you've just lost your pass, not just for a year now, but for life. <laughs> no, no. They're, they're, again, they've heard me say that before as well. But uh, as I say, I, I genuinely don't get it. Why? Why are they involved? I don't. It's just weird. Because they're one of the four majors. Well, yeah, but uh, everything you've just uh, mentioned got a major: the RNA, the USGA, the PJ of America, and Augusta. You've just answered your own question. <laughs> 
The uh, PJ Tour doesn't. PJ Tour a big deal. Well, yeah. Well, I, mean, I just thought it was striking that the European Tour wasn't on the list of invitees. Uh, here, Chubby, yeah. just wrapping this up. Uh, what's the what's the post-apocalypse landscape for uh, in golf? I mean, are you optimistic? I mean, what what do you see? I'll give you a, for instance. Uh, it seems to me that this is illustrated to everybody that there are far too many golf tournaments going on, and maybe it's time to weed out a few uh, so in, in 2022 we might the golf calendar might not be as busy that's my uh that's one of the one thing that i might that i might see i um, what do you see from your far more uh, knowledgeable and experienced position but, but i but i agree with you except what's wrong with having a south african tour what's wrong with having an asian tour what's wrong with having an australian tour the problem is that they've all tried to go bigger and get involved with each other but actually, those tours, in my day, I used to go and play the Sunshine Tour every winter and used to love it because that was my winter. Was go down to South Africa, play for two or three, four months, and then come back and play in Europe. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's no reason that every event in the world should be a big event. Every event in the world should be um, good enough to satisfy that local tour. And, and they're playing for... I think they play for a million rand during the summer in uh, South Africa. So that's 50,000 quid. But they have hell of a good fields turning up for that. So what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it. Mm. And I don't think I don't think we have a problem at all. I think the European Tour has a problem because they have 47 tournaments or whatever it is. And they play for a million to seven million. But if they had less tournaments, say 25, 30, and they played for three, two, three million every week, and then had the Rolex series at seven million. That'd be quite a nice tour, wouldn't it? I, I mean, is that what you? For, do you think that this will, uh, this will influence people pushing towards that? That. Well, I, think, I just think that's a, a natural way to go, isn't it? Because I think that we're trying to do too many things in Europe with too little cash. If you've got a certain amount of cash, you've got to use that better. And I think the best way to use it is by having less tournaments for more money and then a stronger a stronger uh, challenge tour. A stronger challenge yeah. tour? And, yeah. Um, how and wh- why would you...? Because that, that becomes then the, the corn ferry tour, the feeder tour to the European yeah. tour, and you... you, you I don't know whether you have a tour school or not, but that's by the by. I think there's there's only at the tour school, I don't know how many people start, maybe 18 under. I think there's only three get a car average. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, and well, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the tour school's weird because you don't get any starts anyway, but that's that's a subject for another, another day, I, I guess. Here, um, well, I, there's obviously an economic depression or recession coming. I, spot, do you think this is going to weed out a lot of sponsorships? Do you think that people are going to be struggling? The European Tour especially? I think, I think the uh, the medium to low sponsorships will be a struggle. But yeah. when it comes back, people like t- uh, tourist boards that are backed by countries, they, they will definitely start promoting their countries. So I think there'll be a downturn in some sponsorships and an upturn in others. And I think that um, the people that will really get here to the young pros, because the the odd 10, 15 grand deal from 
the little local businessman is going to go because they just can't afford it. So I think that's where that's where the hit's going to be. Because um, we haven't gone on to it, but there's a, there is a problem with sponsorship in golf now because the guys earn so much money on the course that they look at a 25 grand deal and think, well, what's the point of that? I'm going to make a million on course. So there's the, 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 the sponsorship values are a bit all over the place as it is at the moment. I mean, is there an appetite among sponsors to put money into golf still? Uh, I think there's some, yeah. I think there's there's still, you know, there's certain watch manufacturers that obviously oh, think wow. it's a, a, a good <laughs> a good uh, investment. And I don't just mean Rolex, obviously. AP. You know, a, AP and Omega. Mm -hmm. Omega have two unbelievably good events in Europe. AP sponsor 14 to 15 really top players. And I will have a little pipeline of young guns as well. So, you know, it's there's always going to be companies want to get their brand out there in golf because the right people play golf, fortunately for us. So it's a it's a, it's a good sport for that. You know, it's, it's a, there's, there's money at the top end and they always will be. And I mean, you had this recession now. Who makes the most money? It's the guys with the money that make the most money. Here, just going back to uh, the recession of the well, the crash of two thousand and eight. What, what was the landscape like two thousand nine, two thousand ten? Was it? Yeah, it was tough. Was it tough? It was tough, but it, everybody got through it. Everybody will find a way of getting through this, won't they? It's 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 pretty ugly at the moment, and being told he can't go out. And I mean, I'm only a few years off that group that were going to be told to be indoors for four months. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thought of that. The thought of that was I would have gone somewhere else. I wouldn't have hung around. I'd have, I'd have risked anything not to have to sit inside for four months. But it's, you know, it, it, everything will come back again and everything will change a bit. The airlines are going to suffer like hell, aren't they? Mm. So, you know, are KLM going to sponsor the Dutch home? Probably not. They'll probably have trouble doing that. But if British Airways is struggling to stay alive, then a lot of airlines are going to disappear. Hopefully, yeah. Turkish Airlines not one of them. Yes, <laughs> he said. He said quickly. Here, here. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right behind you on that one, Chubby. Here, yeah. uh, Ch Chub, uh, just quickly. You, I did. Did Rory play in the uh, uh, the tour school? Did he play tour? Yes. School? How did he do? I can't. Yeah. Remember. That's a good story. He came. He came about. He probably came about eleventh or twelve. He got through comfortably without being the best. And then he played in the British Masters the year after. And I'm, I'm dying to say it was the Quinn Direct British Masters. Yep. At Belfry. The Belfry, and, yeah. But we had six of them, and it, and it changed. It was the Daily, Daily Telegraph for a bit. Might have been Daily Telegraph he played in. And he finished about 32nd, and then he, I got him an invite to play the week after at the Dunhill, and he finished third and got yep. his guard. So yeah. that's why you don't remember he went to the tour school. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I do remember the, him getting his card. I think I wrote a column at the time saying, this kid is so good, he could be as good as Sergio Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, there's yeah. foresight for you. They, anyway, both, they, they both did all right. And they both did yeah. all right. Here, uh, so Huggy, any other business for our, our colleague and uh, friend here? Are we um, okay? If, if it's... If it, if it, it's not too much ancient history. I was just wondering how what Chuck thought and what he's heard behind the scenes on the way that uh, Patrick Reed saga played out in the last few months. It's all gone kind of quiet, obviously, but the bigger things yeah. are happening. But uh, what was your impression of all that? 
Yeah, well, if I'm going to tell you the full story, I played with him in uh, the Turkish Open Pro-Am, Turkish Airlines Open Pro-Am uh, right. in November. Yeah. And and we nearly signed him about three years ago when the Ryder Cup was at, it was Darren's Ryder Cup, so that was 2016. Yeah. We very we had two or three meetings, met with his lawyer, lawyer had a draft contract over back. For whatever reasons, it didn't happen. Don't know why. Um, so we've always stayed in touch a little bit, been sort of courteous and had little chats and whatever. And then mm -hmm. I played in the Pro-Am with him. And my f the four ball, the team was Patrick, myself, uh, the British ambassador to Turkey, who was a, a frightening nice man, and um, Keith Pelly. And Keith Pelly loves a little bet on the golf course. Mm -hmm. He just, you know, he wants, he wants, so he wanted to play Patrick, even though the three hams were playing a scramble. One of those yeah. pro scrambles where he plays his own golf ball after the best drive and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and he played him for $20 or whatever it was. And they had this really good game. You know, they were both playing okay. Pelly was playing great. Um, and I don't know how many shots he got, maybe two or four or something like that. He's off six, but obviously having the best drive, it made a big difference. And mm. he was about two up with six to play. And then, then Reed got on a bit of a run and made some birdies. And Reed had a six, eight footer to close him out in 17, having birdied the last four. And, and he held his foot. And now he's sat with Keith facing him. And Patrick held it. And he just looked up. And he wagged his finger and he just said, Rory, Justin Rowe, Stenson, and now Pelly. I've taken <laughs> down all the big decisions. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty that's yeah. pretty good sense of humor, that. And and he was a bit like yeah. that all the time. He had some stories. He's lined up every putt. He looked for every golf ball. He couldn't have been more charming. So I sort of warmed to him a bit, a bit. And you'd heard all the stories about him before. And, and, and he's obviously always been very much his own man. What happened in mm. that bunker that day, I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, I can't for the life of me think he did it deliberately, but it looked deliberate. And then yeah. I think he's handled the stuff since then pretty well, because he's had a lot of flight, and he's just carried on, and he's played, and he's played well. And I don't know whether you saw his press conference after winning Mexico. But if you haven't no. seen it, find it and watch it because it's 15 minutes of the best mental insight into a golfer you'll ever see. And it's it's something you'd want to show every young kid because everything he said, without saying anything about what he'd done, everything he said was so strong mentally, it was unbelievable. And it's really worth looking at, both of you. Find it somewhere on the internet. He's winning. He's yeah. winning press conference at Mexico, and he never. He never got really asked about what happened in uh, the Bahamas. It was all about how he coped with the situation after that. But it was amazing. Really uh, was. I let you uh, see all that un uninterrupted, Chubby, because we've been pretty hard on Reed. But I I'm sorry. Uh, the stuff going on in the bunker. Uh, you know exactly what was going on in there. Sorry, mate. Um, the uh, the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, come on. Anyway, he, uh, well, listen, I, I hear what you're saying, except I think he's more intelligent than that. Uh, you well, know what I mean? I just, I can't think. It's a bit like 
it's a bit like those Australian cricketers with the sandpaper in their pocket, isn't it? How on earth they do that when they know there's cameras everywhere? And that's my feeling about Patrick, that he knows there's cameras everywhere. He's leading the bloody tournament. Um, well, so been, I mean, we, I, I'm not saying he didn't do it knowingly. I'm just amazed that he would do that knowing that everybody's watching. Anyway, uh, we've all, uh, as, as you say, Huggy's getting to the stage of history lesson. He's got away with it, and he, he's, he seems to have the Ooh. mental capacity. That's a good shout, Chubby. We'll definitely give that a look. Um, yeah, have a look at it. It's, it is unbelievable. Yeah. The uh, so so Chubb. So what what's the next month? <laughs> what I mean, you going to go play golf, or what are you going to do? That's... Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got to play golf, so I've got nothing to do at all. So I'm going to play a bit of golf. I'd like to go somewhere where the weather's better, but at the moment I'm fine. I watched I watched a, a Netflix series over the weekend on the Formula One. I don't know whether you've seen Drive it. Drive to Survive, phenomenal, it's absolutely. If they could do something in golf like that, it You're... would do golf a lot of good. Yeah, uh, and portray it in a totally different light. I had no idea that the Grand Prix were like they were, and that the two teammates were the biggest rivals, and then somebody else didn't like somebody else, and the, the and it was edited beautifully, wasn't it? Because it... every time there's a low, there was a crash next minute. It's a, it's it was. A... It was it, it's a phenomenal well, season, and you're dead right. Golf should, should should certainly do something like that. However, I'm not sure golf would be prepared to let go to the extent. No, I don't think it would. Uh, but, uh, why not? I mean, these guys, these guys are just same earners as we are. Uh, it, it, it was. I don't know if you've seen the second series, but the second show, the Gunter, the uh, Gunter, who the the team manager for Haas, his two drivers crash into each other. I swear, it's the rawest. Sports documentary I've ever seen is phenomenal. So good show. Oh, what, what about what, what about the Red Bulls when they crashed into each other? Unbelievable. They were, they were just going down the middle of the thing, and I thought the I thought the the the, the last couple were fantastic, where they were fighting for the, the the seats and then got replaced, and somebody got brought in, and then he crashed when he was leading, and it was just unbelievable. And I can't I cannot wait for the F one season to start. Because I know so much more about it now, yeah. I'm actually going to be really interested. I, in it. Just quickly, yeah. I, I, I get you. It's a great point. Golf should do something like that. Just quickly, uh, that the Drive to Survive series increased the F1 audience in the states by thirty percent. It's a phenomenal. Yeah, sure. It's been a phenomenal marketing vehicle for. Uh, yeah. For for the for the Formula One. Sorry, yeah, I'll never work, never work in golf. Never work in golf because, as everybody knows, everybody's a great guy in golf and everybody likes each other. Wow. So it'll never work. Yeah, yeah. Such a pity, <laughs> that, isn't it? Because you know, you see those two pushing each other around. Yeah. It was uh, Stappen and Ockham, wasn't it? Just pushing each other around. Very, very good. Really enjoyed it. The uh, the. Uh... Yeah, again, what 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 works in branding and marketing is authenticity, and that the, the, the Formula One comes across it. Or that series is a, certainly a very authentic portrayal of Formula One. Hopefully, golf will do it. Another, just finishing off uh, with two more. I don't know if you've seen them. Two more Netflix recommendations. One is called Cheer, uh, Chubby, which is a documentary yeah. following a cheerleading college in Texas. Phenomenal, yeah, okay. uh, a brilliant. It's called Cheer, and the other one is called right. Don't. Don't fuck with cats, which is a documentary about uh, 
a serial killer who was tracked down by people on the internet. Phenomenal. It's a four-parter. Incredible right. show. So there's two I need different. all that, don't I? So, if I'm at home for 10 weeks, I need that and another 20 of those. Right. <laughs> anyway, this, I'm sure we've got rid of all our listeners by this stage with our Netflix recommendations. I Chubby, uh, great to have you on, pal. I'll, we'll talk to you again. Let's not make it uh, so long the next time. Good to see oh, you looking so well. Time. You're looking great. I uh, hope things are going well uh, off the course. And uh, I hope you bounce back after all the... Uh, you and everybody else in the golf industry bounces back after this mess. Good to talk to you, and we'll talk to you again soon, pal. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chubby. Then I realize it's a wide